You're listening to episode 14 of the We Got the Runs podcast. In this episode, we talk to the legendary Michael Wardian about ultra running. Welcome to the We Got the Runs podcast. We're your hosts, Letty and Angela, and we invite you to join us as we talk about all things running. In this podcast, we talk tips, tactics, and strategies to make running a favorite part of your life. Hey runners, welcome back to another episode. My name is Letty Lundquist and I'm your host and I'm actually your only host today because Angie is taking some time to ramp up to take one of her most important exams for her career. I'm sure she'll tell you all about it when she comes back, but let's all wish her good luck as she approaches these final weeks of studying. <laughs> let's continue before I start having too much fun with the soundboard. Um, but, you know, over the past few weeks, I've been learning so much about podcasting that I'm having a lot of fun with this. All right, so moving on, enough of this. Today's topic is ultra marathon running, but before we go there, I want to read you one of our listeners' reviews of the week. This five-star review comes from Jabethay. Always good stuff. And Jabethay says, I love this podcast. It's full of great information for runners of all abilities and experiences. These two ladies are always great fun to listen to. Thank you so much, Javithay. We appreciate your comment. And um, we do really try to keep this podcast for all types of runners. We also try to keep this podcast fun and lighthearted and um, don't take ourselves too serious. There's enough stuff to worry about right now in this world. And um, between our serious jobs and everything, this is always going to be our fun and happy place. And for you guys, too. And um, to all of you guys listening, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. Your rating really helps us gain popularity on iTunes, and ultimately it helps us get our podcast out there. So we really appreciate it. All right. So I mentioned today we're going to talk about ultra marathons. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So ultra marathons, that topic we picked because there's various reasons. Um, one, with uh, COVID going on, most road races are canceled, but some of the smaller races might still be happening, and those all seem to be ultras. Another reason is that ultras bring you closer to nature and um, also probably a little bit COVID-related. For many people, running on trails is a way to social distance these days. And uh, the last reason I like talking about ultras is because personally, I've always been interested in ultras. I don't think you guys know this about me, but I used to live in Los Angeles prior to moving to Florida in uh, 2016. And I absolutely loved living in LA. I loved everything about the city and especially the fact that you're able to run on trails within 
a few minutes just right outside of the city. There's tons of canyons and trails. So running in Florida has become super monotone for me and I'm craving trails more than ever. So now that I have a podcast, I wanted to um, try to find an amazing ultra runner as a guest. And we found one that is super down to earth. And um, we'll do a proper introduction here in a minute. But first, let's talk about this ultra distance. What is an ultra? An ultra marathon is any foot race longer than the traditional marathon length, which is 26.2 miles, usually going through trails. There are two types of ultra marathon events. The first one is one that covers a specified distance or route. The second one is one that lasts for a predetermined period of time. The most common distances are 50 kilometers, 100 kilometers, 50 miles, or 100 miles, although there are many different length and more distances. The timed events range from 6, 12, and 24 hours to 3, 6, and 10 days, known as multi-day events. Ultras can be self-supported or crewed, meaning that you can either carry your own stuff, your own fueling and gear, or you can have a meeting spot and um, have somebody that helps you out, bring you stuff, vans, etc. The most famous names in ultra running include professional runners such as Michael Wardian, Dean Carnazas, Killian Hornet, Scott Urich, Lucy Bartholomew, and Jim Walmsley. So all that said, we are super stoked to have Michael Wardian as our guest on the podcast. Michael Wardian is an American marathoner and ultra marathoner. He resides in Arlington, Virginia with his wife, Jennifer, and their two sons, Pierce and Grant, and their Vishla Rosie. Michael Wardian has participated in the 2004, 2008, and 2012 U.S. Olympic Trials Men's Marathon, recording a personal best of 2 hours, 17 minutes, and 49 seconds. He's also been coined Ultra Runner of the Year in the years 2008 to 2011. He held a lot of world records, which include the following. Fastest time for seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. Fastest marathon and 50K on an indoor 200-meter track. Fastest marathon as Spider-Man and Elvis. Fastest Leadville 100-mile and Pikes Peak Marathon double. Fastest ever time for all the Abbott World Marathon majors, consisting of the Tokyo, Boston, London, Berlin, Chicago, and New York marathons, in an average of 2 hours, 31 minutes, and 9 seconds. Fastest 50K on a treadmill. He also set the world record for fastest marathon while pushing a jogging stroller. Michael has also completed some of the most difficult races in the world, such as the Badwater Ultra Marathon, which is 135 miles in Death Valley, California in July. The Marathon des Sabs, which is 150 miles in the Sahara Desert in Morocco. The Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc, which is approximately 100 miles with 28,000 feet of vertical ascent traveling through three countries, France, Italy, and Switzerland. The UVU North Pole Marathon with temperatures dripping below negative 40 degrees Celsius. The Ultra Gobi 400K, the Barkley Marathon, and many, many more. So without further ado, I will now play the interview. So I'm here with a legend, Michael Wardian, who's been coined the Ultra Runner of the Year for many, many years. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. So I wanted to know, how did you get started running and were you always as fast as you are now? Um, yes. Yeah, so no, I was not always as fast as I am now, not even close. And I started... Uh, running just to run the Boston Marathon once, and then I got hooked. And so I 
ran the Marine Corps Marathon because I had no idea that you had to qualify. Uh, ran fast enough to run Boston. Uh, did the Boston Marathon race in 1997, I think, and um, was completely smitten with the whole experience. Like the fans, the taking the little buses out to the starting line, the medal, the um, uh, atmosphere, the competitiveness. Um, and I've been on that journey ever since, like just trying to get faster and better and do more and um, continuing to evolve. So is that how you fell into ultras? Was it just that you were training for a marathon, doing some long runs, and then you did the marathon and you figured, how much further can I push myself? Or did you do a few marathons and then decide you wanted to do ultras? Yeah, actually, that's a great question. So um, so I did um, Marine Corps, and then I did the Boston Marathon, and then I figured I would be done, and then I got kind of hooked, and I was like, oh, I'll do all the big marathons. Um and then I'll be done. And so I did uh, Chicago, uh, Marine Corps again, New York City, and I had already done Boston. And I was like, oh, sweet. And then actually it was kind of um, just serendipity. My dad saw a, a um, like a advertisement for a speaking engagement at a local running club and or like a running store and it was a guy named scott mills who was doing ultra marathons and he was talking about a race called the jfk 50 miler and i just went to it and i just didn't believe him when he said that people could run 50 miles i thought the furthest you could go was like a marathon so um so of course i was like well um yeah that's crazy like i i just like i flat out just didn't believe it was possible and then I actually thought, well, if you just take my marathon time and double it, I should win. So I should do that because it'd be fun to win. And then um, I signed up for the JFK 50 miler. And um, that's not actually how it works. You just don't take your marathon time and double it and win. So uh, I did not win, uh, but I did finish. And so that was kind of my, I think my fourth big race was the JFK 50 miler. That must have been a really humbling experience to <laughs> even with a half marathon, if you do halves only, then you think, oh, I'm just going to double the same thing for a whole marathon. And it doesn't work because, yeah. you know, for a half marathon, you can actually really push yourself. And I mean, obviously with a full two, but in a different way. So how was that different than um, running a marathon? Oh, my gosh, it was so different. Well, first off, it's way longer. Um and second off, like I didn't fuel very well. So way, way, way exponentially harder. Uh, and then, yes, it was quite humbling when there was a bunch of old guys that were like uh, walking and running that were running faster than me. Because before the start of the race, I said, oh, I'm a runner. I'm not going to walk or hike or anything. And um, so, yeah, so these old guys would like run 10 minutes and then walk two minutes, you know, like the Galloway thing. And like I would like get past and then they would slow down and do their like walk and then they would pass me back. And, uh, yeah, it was very, very, very extremely humbling. Um, but it was also awesome because, you know, that's how you learn. And, um, yeah, I definitely pushed myself further than I had ever gone and, um, dug deeper than I ever thought possible. And, um, yeah, I was, it was completely crushing, like to know that, you know, just, you're not going to win the first thing you do, but, um, you know, is what kind of fuels that fire and keeps you interested and excited about continuing to like train and work hard. To what extreme did you take 
you know, life with running ultras? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, so from that first JFK, then I actually kind of stumbled into some triathlons, kind of played around there for a while, uh, and then got back into ultras kind of in 2000. I did a race called the Marathon Basab. It's a race in Sahara, Africa, where you kind of carry all this stuff on your back, and it's about 250 miles over seven days, um, six days of running. And um, I actually like had no idea what I was doing, but I ended up finishing first American in like 25th overall. And I was kind of like, as the race got longer, I got stronger and was kind of going through the field. So, you know, it was for me kind of a, um, like an epiphany that like, hey, if, if I start like focusing on these longer things, I might do really well. And um, so that's kind of what got me back into ultras. And, uh, from there I took my training pretty seriously. I mean, I, I decided like, Hey, I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to really focus on my nutrition. I ended up with a coach, um, and just kind of continued to, um, set really audacious big goals and track them down. And, um, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, so it's been, yeah, like 20, 20 years of being like a, like a semi-pro runner. And, and now I'm, you know, for the last, like, I don't know, 20 years, I've been a professional runner. So it's like, it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, my first goal was to make like the local running store team. And from there, like to make a national team and then uh, to chance to represent the U.S. around the world. And uh, now to represent different brands um, in all places um, and all continents and uh, I think I'm one of the only people to have won a marathon on all seven continents and the North Pole. And so um, it's been an incredible journey and feel so fortunate that I stumbled onto this uh, path and, and that I've been able to stay healthy and continue to train and, and evolve and uh, hopefully continue to do that going forward. Yeah, that's amazing. We're excited that you're sharing that with us. Um, so you've been doing the ultra thing for about 20 years, but then you still won world records in just the marathon distance in the meantime and participated in the Olympic trials for men's for three different years. Um, while you were training for those, did you kind of just slow down and just focus on marathons again or were you doing ultras all, all along? Uh, actually, I was doing ultras and marathons just like I always have. So I, I race a lot between 40 and 50 times a year and uh, the last couple of years like over like I don't know, 1500 miles of, of like competitive, like events, uh, this year hasn't been as many events, obviously, but I've still actually, I think this is my biggest year yet, just because I've been doing more like fastest known times. But, uh, when I set my marathon PR, I ran 217.49. And then three weeks after that, I did a race called the Badwater ultra marathon. Um, so that's like 135 miles through death Valley. So I've kind of always toggled back and forth between ultras and marathons and I feel like the training for marathons gives you like good speed and endurance for ultras and just the capacity to be on your feet and suffer and um, continue to push forward no matter what. And just like have that relentless forward progress of an ultra um, really bodes well for doing like the shorter stuff. Yeah. And, you know, now that you're saying that with all races being canceled, there's still some ultras out there, which I think and I feel that most of our listeners and friends are all kind of trying to dab into the ultra world because there's nothing else. So what would you say 
would be um, a good beginner ultra? I mean, obviously the distance I'm assuming would be a uh, 50K to start with. Yeah, I, I, those are all great like topics and questions. Like I'd say the first um, answer that or the place that I would start was um, I'd say pick a distance that inspires you, that it's something that you want to train for because if you really want to do a 50 miler and you're like, oh, I need to do a 50K first, that's not true. I mean, I think um, a hard 50K um, is no uh, more difficult than a hard 50 miler. Um, I'd say like where it becomes a little bit more tricky is if you want to do like a big mountain 50K uh, or a 50 miler, that might take some like stepping up, just getting used to being out there for that long and also like you know, what do I do like with my water and like, how do I, you know, wear a rain jacket and like, you know, how do I handle chafing and like, do I need to change socks and all that kind of stuff? Like, um, but if, if you're just looking for, um, something to like light your fire, I think like, I know people that have gone straight to like hundred milers, 200 milers. Um, it's really just, focusing on what you want to train for and then find out, um, you know, where it is and kind of like try to mimic the conditions that you're going to face. So like, if it is like a super hilly race, like get comfortable running up and down hills, get comfortable on like technical terrain. I mean, a lot of the East coast ultras, is you got to deal with like rocks and roots and the West coast is maybe you got to deal with altitude. And so like, try to figure out what you're facing and then kind of tailor your training towards that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think most people, when they start going up to ultras, they do start at a 50 K cause it makes a lot of sense. It's really, if you've done a marathon, it's not that much further um, where it becomes a little bit different. As I said earlier is like, if it's a, a mountain ultra, because instead of running like, you know, a four hour marathon, you could be out there for like 12 hours, you know, or, 14 hours in a mountain 50k and so like um that's that's a that's a big difference just in terms of like exposure in terms of like fueling in terms of like just like getting comfortable like in your own head for that long right which um makes me wonder how do you prepare for all of this mentally do you have a you personally, do you have favorite mantras or what do you think about and what do you do when you get close to thinking, oh, this is kind of hurting. Why am I doing this? How do you keep yourself going? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, for me, like I always have like a couple different goals. Like, so I think that having your your ultimate goal and like my ultimate goal usually is, is finish. Like that's actually the number one goal is like, hey, if I started this, I should try to finish it. Um, then the second goal might be like, Hey, I want to be, you know, a top guy from the U S I want to be, um, you know, whatever. And so like, you can have different check things because if your first, if your only goal is to win and you know, there's somebody that's having a better day than you, or you're not having, um, a good race, like then it becomes much easier to be like, Hey, you know, I'd rather be home with my family. Um, and so like having really, um, define things that you can chase and target um, is what keeps me motivated. And then also um, I usually want to see like the course. And so like there's different things that I want to see. And so like I'll pick something kind of near the finish that I'm like excited about. Like the first time I did Western States, I just wanted to see. Um, and for those of you in the 
the call that don't know or Western States is like probably one of the most famous mile races in the country, but it's super hard and hot. Um, and there's this river crossing at like 78 miles. And so the whole time I was like dying, I didn't want to keep going. And I just kept thinking like, damn it, I'm just going to see, I can quit once I get to the river. And then of course, like you're only like 20 miles from the finish. So you're like, oh, I'm not quitting now. And so like having like a little target like that or something like that's tangible and attainable, I think really helps. And then also like, I'll like promise myself like tons of treats, like, oh, okay, you're going to like, I'm going to give you the you know, biggest bowl of ice cream in the world or like, uh, you're going to have like, for me now, it's like, oh, you're going to have like the nicest berries or like $20, like fresh pressed juice shake, acai bowl, like thing. Um, so yeah. So using like those kind of things to motivate you. And then also like a lot of times now I'll like save like music for the end or like a podcast. Um, so like having, having little treats and, and little cookie crumbs that you can follow to the finish line really helps. And then a mantra. Yeah. I have a bunch of those, like, why not today? Why not me? Um, you know, time to shine, be relentless, all these things. Like I kind of pepper those through my thoughts as I'm uh, dealing with adversity. Right. Wow. I mean, it sounds pretty tough just to think about having to go through that and then there'll be, parts of wherever you are, where you're all alone. And I'm assuming it's going to be nighttime too. So have you ever seen any uh, wild animals or anything that was scary? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen uh, a lot of things like that. I'd say bear. Uh, I've seen snakes. Actually, one of the ultras I did, you went through like a snake nest. Like it was, uh, yeah. I didn't see any of them, but there were supposedly like a bunch of them that were out on the trail. Um, seen wild boar, seen howler monkeys, I've seen a cougar. Um, yeah, lots of birds, lots of butterflies. Um, so like not all like dangerous stuff, but yes, like I think that's one of the things I love the most, especially is like most of the time you're just going so fast or you're moving like nothing really bothers you. Um, so that's kind of nice. I think one of the weirdest things we saw were like some humongous bats that look like they could like carry you away. Like they look like dragons, like they were so big. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff out there, like lots of foxes and deer. And, um, there's, uh, in the mountains of Colorado, they have like these little, like, like guinea pig things. Uh, they're like marmots. Um, those things are kind of weird and scary. <laughs> can't be more scary than the bear i mean yeah well the bear was like it wasn't a very big bear but yeah, yeah like i haven't seen like a grizzly or anything like that what about the cougars or mountain lions uh, yeah we saw a cougar um i was actually like taking a cell phone call like for work um but my friend um sarah hall actually saw it <laughs> which was funny oh that's crazy oh man yeah. So that said, um, you don't run with a knife, do you? <laughs> no, but I know there's some people that do. Yeah. And my wife, like, usually makes me take, like, a bear bell. Like, um, so especially if I'm But I've been tying it to Rosie, our little Vishla. Um, so she, like, is the bear bell. Um, but I just listen to, like, my audio books, like, super loud. So I figure that'll scare away, like, mm -hmm. most of the nightlife. Nice.
Well, oh, actually, one of the coolest things I saw was in the bottom of the Grand Canyon, I saw a pink um, rattlesnake that only is uh, living in the Grand Canyon, which was like really, really cool. Wow. You stopped for yeah. pictures or are you going too fast for that? No, no, no. Yeah, I think we got actually a picture of it, my brother and I. Nice. It doesn't look that cool in the picture, though. It's it much never does. It never does, right? Perception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Do you have any other um, favorite gear that you use? Um, you know, sometimes I'm assuming you're mostly crude, but if you do something that's a little bit shorter where you're self-supported, what's your favorite um, go-to gears that you have? Actually, I just did my biggest self-supported uh, adventure like three weeks ago where I like I ran 110 miles through Shenandoah National Park on the Appalachian Trail. And so like that thing I would say was my water filter, which I've never used before. So it was the first time filtering water, but it was like a Sawyer Mini. Uh, that thing was amazing. Uh, but I'd say my favorite piece of gear besides my Hoka's like I run in the Evo Mafati on uh, trails and for a lot of the ultras, either that or the Bondi uh, or the Rincon. But um, my Nathan Sachs, like uh, I feel like most ultras, actually I use those for almost every single run I take because like I have like a like dog leash in it or like a um a mask cell phone just so i can take pictures and listen to music so i'd say my nathan like um best um i really like the vapor zach or the um, vapor car for for guys and then it's like the vapor how for ladies and then what do you carry for fuel when you're doing something where you're self-supporting obviously if you if you took a water filter i'm assuming it was a pretty lengthy race <laughs> Yeah, it was like a, it was like 36 hours. Uh, so yeah, it was a long time. Um, so I use a couple different things. Uh, Goo is like my one of my main nutrition sponsors. So like gels, chews, uh, they have Roctane. I uh, also use um, Big Spoon Roasters. It's like an almond butter company that I work with. Uh, and then Stoked Oats, like for like oatmeal. Um, and then if I can, I'll do like, also like, especially something that long, I'll do like fresh fruit. So like uh, avocados, um, like berries. Um, and if, if I can get it, sometimes my wife will get me like pizza and then uh, like egg McMuffins sometimes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. But so no, meat. like I don't eat meat. So like just egg. That's awesome. And what about sleeping? So in that 36 hour race, did you take a nap or? No, not at all. No, no, no sleeping. Actually, I did a race earlier this year that was 63 hours without sleeping. Wow. <laughs> I don't even know how that's possible. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. So how long, I mean, anything over that you would just take, um, I guess, a nap mat and, and sleep somewhere? Or if you're supported, you sleep in the vans? Um, yeah, I haven't really had to sleep on, um, on any of these really long ones yet. So that's been actually kind of like a bonus. I don't sleep a ton anyhow. So like, that's actually like a, a skill that I have. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've done some stage races where they make you sleep, but um, yeah, I'd probably try to just get a couple of hours. Like I did a 400 K self-supported race across the Gobi desert in China. And like, we would sleep at the aid stations for a couple of minutes, like, you know, 30 minutes or something like that like a power nap and then you're refreshed again yeah 
basically awesome. yeah yeah, yeah. That's cool. well it's, it's basically like you just lay down close your eyes put your feet up and then you, it's almost time to wake up you know what i mean but yeah it, it works like you feel better yeah unless you're that person who doesn't wake up and <laughs> have been woken up by the race organizers actually yeah that happens all the time yeah but usually I try to set like a bunch of alarms all right and so um well one more question for training so if somebody wants to say do a 50 miler or 50k whichever how do you suggest um to train for that compared to marathon training yeah actually i think it's going to be pretty similar to marathon training like actually i do mostly marathon training so um the one biggest thing that i would recommend is you just do it's just called like back-to-back -back long runs or back-to-back -back long efforts um and a lot of times that's just like time on your feet so maybe you do your long run on saturday and then follow it up with like a two or three hour run on sunday so you kind of like stack it back together um and you're doing it kind of on tired legs so that's kind of going to simulate what you're going to feel like in an ultra but you don't even have to go super fast on the second day. And, and I think that that's where people kind of get um, a little bit overwhelmed is like, oh, I just did a long run. I need to take a couple of days off. And I think you can you can build up to it just like you would your long run. So you just basically build up two long runs back to back. Uh, and I think if you can get through those kind of like big efforts every couple of weeks, um, you know, every two, three weeks, uh, you'll be totally fine doing an ultra tweaking the nutrition. Because it's it's it comes down to just being able to eat, you know, and drink. Um, because you can continue to go forward. I mean, that's if you've done a marathon, there's no there's no way that you can't do a fifty miler or a hundred miler. You just you just gotta do a little bit more time on your feet and, and learn how to eat and drink. So your mileage per week would overall be just a little bit more. Your monday tuesday runs they wouldn't be six miles it'd be like 10 miles is that how you would um amp up for something that's that long actually no, i'd say like you probably you probably could do it on the same volume maybe bump it up by 10 or 15 percent but really just want to build up one of your longer efforts um for the the weekend and you can even maybe pull out a tempo run and instead uh, just allow yourself like a couple of days to recover before you have the big effort on the weekend, but then go back to the, the faster, quicker stuff the next week. So like give yourself a day or two recovery from the big weekend and then get right back into it. Um, and I feel like if you do that, you should be fine. I don't feel like you have to like get over a hundred miles a week or 200 miles a week or anything crazy. Like I'd say most people doing ultras are doing, 60 to 80 miles a week so it's not much more than and a less than some people that are training for marathons wow that sounds very inspiring thank you so much for um, <laughs> that information i think um a lot of us will probably start diving into that yeah and and the cool thing too is like it gives you the confidence to have some big adventures on your own too like once you start getting comfortable running on the trails and and doing some of these longer efforts it's just cool to like there's a whole group of um, people in the world that are doing what's known as fastest known times. And it's basically self-directed adventures. And a lot of those are ultra distance. Uh, they don't have to be, but um, you know, that's what I did when I did the 110 miles across Shenandoah. It was just a fastest known time. And um, it's, it's kind of awesome to like be able to like create your own event and your own challenge and go out and, 
see if you can do it or not and uh, kind of invoke some of your friends to see if they want to be a part of it. And uh, I don't think there's anything better than, you know, having somebody that you think is awesome and you're meeting them at like two o'clock in the morning and they've been running for 20 hours. Like, I mean, that's just, it's just a fun experience. And I hope that more and more people get a chance to, to be out there and, and feel what it is like. I think they will. Um, thank you, Michael. And then one more question. What is your biggest, or what do you think is your biggest accomplishment? Yeah, I, I'd say um, I've been lucky. I mean, there's been a bunch like, um, you know, winning a uh, silver medal in the 100K World Championships, qualifying for the Olympic trials, um, setting the record for seven marathons on seven continents in seven days, setting Guinness World Records. I'd say um, lately, I'd say, it, and it maybe it's like recency bias, but like just going out on my own and doing a self-supported run across Shenandoah National Park, like that was for me kind of like the biggest thing that I've ever done as an individual, like taking care of myself from start to finish and um, having the confidence to filter my own water and, and like be dehydrated for like six hours and like suffering from um, blisters and, and just kind of like having no one to, to rely on. And it just made me um, feel like, ah, uh, like there's so much more I can accomplish now. And, um, I'm still kind of recovering from it, which is funny because usually I recover really fast. Um, so yeah, for me, that was kind of a big thing. And then two weeks ago, I did like a three and a half mile swim that I'm really proud of. Like that was my longest swim I've ever done in my life. And, um, yeah, I hope to continue to see what other cool things I can think of and try to tackle those as the years go on. Thank you so much, Michael. That sounds all amazing. And then hopefully we get to see you sometimes at some kind of ultra. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. And good luck with your um, progress and let me know like which one you decide on. And uh, if you guys have any you know questions or need anything, um, all is around. I'm on social all the time and uh, happy to help. What's your social, um, your social handle? Yeah, if you're looking for me, uh, Instagram, I'm at Mike Wardian. That's M-I-K-E-W-A-R-D, like dog, I-A-N, like November. And then same on Twitter and then Michael Wardian on Facebook. So um, I have like an athlete page. And, and then, yeah, you guys can find me at any of those places. And I'm happy to uh, help as much as I can. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, so that was Michael Wardy. And Michael, thank you again so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. And maybe you learned something new. And who knows, maybe you'll be inspired too. And you will think about going beyond the marathon distance. So that said, we're almost at the end of today's show. But we can't finish the show without one of my favorite segments, which is the Ask Brody segment, where we chat with Australian physiotherapist and runner Brody Sharp, and we read him one of our listeners' questions. So let's make that phone call. Hi, Brody. Thank you and welcome back to our podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Letty. How are you? I'm doing great. So we have a few listener questions for you whenever you're ready. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's fire away. All right. Heaven is a trail or Peter Lee is asking, is saying, hey, guys, I've got this posterior tibial swelling and pain that's been really slow to heal. Is there anything else I can do except for resting? 
Any exercises you recommend to prevent this injury in the future? Thanks. Okay. Hi, Peter. Thanks for submitting your question. Um, I was actually a bit confused about the location you're trying to describe. So um, there was, if it was posterior tibial bone, then it might most likely be located in the shin, similar to where people get shin splints. But there is also your um, tibialis posterior tendon, which is kind of around the inside of the ankle. So I will um, spend some time probably investigating both. I think you are referring to around the foot, like just behind the ankle. So let me start there. First of all, you're saying it's slow to heal. Is there anything I can do except rest? Um, in most cases, when it comes to injuries, rest isn't um, the most effective approach. Um, it depends what you mean by rest. Sometimes people back off running completely. Some people just try and rest the whole um, part of the body uh, completely, and that actually lowers the, the capacity of the certain structures and often makes things worse, especially if you then go back to running uh, and then injuries arise again, and then you spend more time off and try and get back again, and symptoms arise. What's happening is the structures are just becoming weaker and weaker, and there's an inability to tolerate load, um, to tolerate more and more load. So my response would be, okay, um, try and avoid complete rest. I would try and find a, a diagnosis to start with, with a, a physical therapist or a health professional. Um, and then start some strengthening. And if at the moment, if there's uh, the amount of running that you're doing, I'm not too sure what's actually causing the pain. It might be running, um, but you might want to spend a couple of days off running, do some strengthening exercises, and then find what level of running you can tolerate and then slowly work your way up from there. Uh, and, yeah, some exercises I could suggest there if it is around the back of the ankle there are some really nice um, calf raises you can do just in mid-range. So avoiding the heel going too far down or the heel going too far up can really help this tendon. Also doing some um, exercises with a TheraBand, like those elastic kind of stretchy bands that you can wrap around your foot and do some control work with those. Um, I also get some people doing some nifty stuff with a wobble board if they have that available to them. Um, sometimes they're at gyms, some people have them in their homes, but doing some specific exercise around wobble board retraining um, can be really nice. If it is in the different area and it's around that shin, I think last episode we talked about um, shin splints with Stephanie. So I could probably refer you back to that um, that answer if if you're okay with that, Letty. Sure. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I hope that answered all of it. Is there any exercises um, to prevent in the future? Yeah, I'd say like if it still is this structure – and you're wanting to prevent this moving forward, it's a really simple equation of building up the strength enough for that tendon to tolerate what uh, the amount of running that you're doing. So if you're building up that strength enough to establish, say, you're doing a 5K run at a certain pace, and then you wanted to increase your running to 10Ks, my advice would be that tendon needs to be strong enough to tolerate 10Ks so you need to build up the strengthening and you need to slowly progress your running and not have a big spike in your training load in order to prevent this injury from resurfacing. Great. Thanks, Brody. And if uh, any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on Instagram. People reach out to me on Instagram or Facebook usually. Um, so my Instagram handle is at brody.sharp and you could probably find me on my facebook group run smarter the run smarter podcast is the facebook group 
and my website is breakthroughrunning.physio. So if they wanted to um, reach me on any of those mediums, I'm more than happy to answer any more questions. Great. Thank you so much, Brody. You're welcome, Letty. Thanks again, Brody, and thanks, Peter, for sending in your question. And if you guys have any questions for the physiotherapist, send it to us in a message, and we will have Brody answer your question on air. All right, you guys, that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed all of this, and I look forward to next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. As always, we hope that we were able to provide you with something of value. Make sure you like our Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. Our account you can find under WGTR Podcast. Thanks. Until next time, have a great week of running.